This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Y'all know how passionate I am about therapy and how much of an advocate I am for everyone using therapy as part of their mental health journey. You might be wondering, what is therapy? I've you know maybe heard of it. Obviously, we kind of all understand what it is. But there's still this large stigma around it that it's something that you only go to if something is wrong with you or if you have major problems or it's something to be embarrassed about. But therapy truly can be whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and you just want some tools to help or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work. Maybe you're not dealing well with stress or you're finding a lot of conflict within the relationships that you're experiencing. Therapy is a tool that you can use in order to become more self aware and to better understand who you are at your core and better help is here to make it so seamless and so easy so that you can access therapy at an affordable and easy way BetterHelp is online therapy. It's completely online and they offer many different packages based on what you can afford. There's also financial aid involved as well. And you can easily switch your therapist. I know sometimes that you and your therapist might not click. Those first couple tries might be really hard. And that's an essential part of therapy is to ensure that you and your therapist have a strong connection. Not only does it benefit you as the client, but it also benefits your therapist to have somebody who they feel as though they can connect with too. BetterHelp allows you to switch your therapist free of charge at any point to ensure that you are getting the best experience possible. BetterHelp is completely customizable online therapy. It offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and It's Hard listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash it's hard. That's betterhelp.com slash it's hard. <clears throat> nice mouth noises to kick us off. Yeah, goddamn. I've been outdoors. <laughs> what does that have to do with mouth noises? Uh, my lips are dry, but I have kind lips, and I'm going to apply them right after this, so that's good. That's good. Go on their website right now, kindlips.com. Use the code It's Hard to get 10% off your purchase at Kind Lips. How are you? Good. Tired. We're doing chores. Not my favorite. <laughs> Jack doesn't like chores. I like going to the grocery store, though. Really? Yeah. Why? Food. <laughs> Yikes. I know. We have to go every week. Yeah. Who doesn't like getting food? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Fruit. We, do, we did well on fruit this time. Oh my. And then those oatmeal, like dark chocolate things you got, dang. You need to hide those ASAP. They're called heavenly hunks. Oh my God. They are heavenly hunks. <laughs> They're for me for my work trip. Oh, I thought everything we get, we share though. I mean, n no, because you eat everything that we get. Like, we get peanut butter pretzels kind of for me. 
and then you eat the entire jug of them. I don't remember doing that. You ate an entire carton of strawberries in one sitting. I don't remember doing that. I don't understand how that's possible. How can you possibly eat that much? It tastes good. Yeah. That's fair. I'm definitely one of those people that get the extra serotonin release or something from eating food. Yeah, you're a growing boy. Not for long, though. You're 26. I don't think you're growing anymore. Uh, I don't think so either. What's your favorite food? Favorite food? Like, what? so many different choices. Like, I... Uh, if you could eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would you eat? I hate that question. <laughs> Why? Cause I don't use the word hate very often either. Uh, just because, like, it's always changing. You Like, you face certain things in, face certain things out. You can't just eat one food all the time because that means like you're not going to choose your favorite one. You're going to choose something like that you can eat a lot of and like frequently. So if we were going to go somewhere tonight, like where would you want to go? What would you want to eat? I think it would be a crazy good pizza. Mm. And it could be like different kinds of pizza too. But like pizza... And yeah, maybe some like some kind of meat thing or good meat on the pizza. That's fair. That makes sense. Yeah. How about you? What would you get? Ice cream. Yes, you would. I love ice cream. She doesn't like caramel ice cream though. No, nothing with caramel. I don't like caramel in general. What what so what flavor of ice cream would you have now and for the rest of your life? And you were extremely allergic to every other flavor. Um chocolate with brownie and peanut butter damn i know it's pretty good isn't it yeah yeah good choice sweet glad we got that out of the way so it's mental health awareness month yeah that's awesome there needs to be way more way more awareness on mental health so today we're gonna talk about you Okay. <laughs> and I think just like in relationships in general, like mental health, what that's looked like for you and then like how it exists within a relationship too, you know? Yeah. It's kind of a scary topic. Let's see where it goes. Why is it scary? Well, I think everyone is is a little bit nervous about sharing their mental health or it's just like it's way more than surface level it's not easy to talk about and some people have been talking about it and started that conversation you always have to start somewhere and then it gets maybe easier maybe not i don't know but it is personal vulnerable so that's why it's probably scary yeah that makes sense yeah do you feel like you've talked about your mental health very much uh some, but I definitely personally reflect on it quite a bit. So there was, a, I had, I was going to therapy for a little bit, so that was good. It was nice to talk about it then. And I definitely have some habits that I've carried on from then. Um, but no, not, not incredibly. Um, uh, do I talk about my mental health? No. What sparked you going to therapy? 
Well, you encouraged me, so that was good. There was a lot going on in our lives, and I wasn't handling it properly. And I wasn't probably addressing certain things I needed to, to be able then to function in normal life. So I was lacking in different areas because I had a lot going on. And I, instead of addressing those things in my brain, setting goals, understanding what I can control and cannot control, and then finding more balance with things. That was it. That was a lot. No, <laughs> it wasn't. Does that make sense? Not really. I mean, it kind of does, but like, it gets be more specific. Like, what, why did you want to go to therapy other than me, like, um, encouraging you to go? But like, what made you want to go and like, what helped you when you went? Uh, first of all, I was struggling a little bit in our relationship. So I wanted to be able to be healthier for you and also just be able to think better. Second, I think my quality or how I looked upon myself was not very high. There's a lot of different things I was doing at the time. I wasn't super successful at any of them and I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I also wasn't being patient with myself and understanding that things take a time, a long time to grow or you might not be able to just figure out what you want to do right away, but you need to enjoy the moment a little bit. If you're not enjoying it, you're being impatient with yourself. Things can go negative and downhill really quick. Is this when you were working at Hy-Vee? Mm, I don't think so. I was working in your basement. Remember that when we were staying with your parents? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it was after Hy-Vee? Yeah. My previous job was a good job and I learned a lot from it, but you didn't feel very important in the big scheme of things. You felt like a very small cog and I didn't like feeling like that. I wasn't having very meaningful uh, contributions and I wasn't trusted to do a lot. Mm -hmm. I felt really kind of like not valuable, but sucked. Yeah. So when you were going to therapy, like what was helpful and what did you learn? Uh, it was a, it was a method of just understanding like, Kind of put labeling a lot of different things and understanding things and how you felt. It's definitely like having different emotions and understanding those emotions and uh, really understanding what was causing those emotions and what con- what I contributed to to make those motions happen and what was if I was being constructive or deconstructive towards those and also just making sure I knew what I prioritized and I valued in life and putting more energy and effort to those instead of being lazy and procrastinating because I felt stuck it really Mm -hmm. helped me figure out what I wanted to do and what I appreciated and valued and made sure I put more energy towards that yeah I feel like so many people like get in this feeling of like stuck and it's just like what the heck are you okay yeah i was just relating to that statement oh <laughs> yeah like it, it, you feel in this like kind of state of limbo and you're stuck you don't know where to go next and and 
maybe your first reaction would be to like try all these things or maybe your first reaction is to do nothing and just sit there and wait like I feel like everyone handles it differently like I when I'm stuck I try to do a million billion things to like try to get unstuck and it just makes me more stuck (laughs) so what did that like look like and do you still feel stuck or do you feel like you got out of it no I feel it I mean I always kind of feel like a little bit stuck so I don't know just how I am but uh no, that was like so stuck that any little thing was a great distraction and it kept, you got you got a little escape away from being stuck again. So like that was a bad time for scrolling social media, that was a bad time for watching TV, that was a bad time for a lot of things. Just procrastination, laziness. Mm. Just distractions. Hopefully finding escape in distractions. Right, like it's escaping your emotions through distraction. Yeah. When was like the first time you were aware of your mind like not being fully right, I guess, or like maybe experiencing some sort of mental health issue? I think that's how I've always been hardwired, obviously. What is? Just like that's my coping mechanism. But I think with being, especially the last couple of years, like going to the therapy, uh, but then also just finding, like, striving to find a better situation for myself. Obviously, you coming to my life, it's just makes it easier to put energy into things that I care more about. Also, there's a certain aspect of growing up and being an adult, too, and understanding, like, this can go sideways really quickly if you don't address it. Mm. And that could affect you for the rest of your life. Plus, then you start having other people like we have. We have Leo, so like, I can't let Leo go hungry because I'm so procrastinating, lazy, and I get fired and stuff like that. That would be that would be crying shame. <laughs> You're so right. Uh, first time recognized it. I think it's been around for my whole life. So yeah. Do you think that you've always been aware of like your mental health and? Do you think growing up it was like a topic of conversation? That's a tough question. I've was thinking today. There's a lot of things I don't remember from my childhood. Mm. Like going camping, like we camped a decent amount, but I also don't remember all the small many actions. I'm sure my parents did a good job with me and understanding things. Uh and it was a really good childhood, so I, I so I, I think I have, well, let's say whatever decent decent mental health because I had a good childhood. I think mental health comes a lot from like your environment and how mm-hmm. you were raised. So I think they did well. I don't know. I don't feel good about criticizing my parents because I'm really grateful for them. Well, it's not criticizing. It's it's just saying it's either way. It's like talking about... I mean, your dad's in social work, so I'm guessing that there was conversations about your mind. But if you don't remember, that's okay. Just like awareness of like if that was part of yeah. growing up. I was I was a kid who had troubles with emotions quite a bit. Say more. Say more. Like just like... Mm, I don't know. I mean, we were homeschooled, so we were slightly messed up. Uh <laughs> I definitely got in a few share fights. I definitely had couldn't control my anger and frustration multiple times. So uh, at one point, I felt like I had a voice in my head when I was really young. That was I couldn't. It was like part of me was just 
just destroying me. It was saying all the most negative things possible, but that phased out. Uh, well, okay, slow down. Let's slow down for a second. Take a deep breath. The voice in your head. Yeah. There's a ton of people who feel that and have that. Yeah. That was when I was really young. And I remember a couple instances where I was falling asleep or I was in my bedroom after some like fight or incident where I felt like I was mistreated or I just couldn't control my emotions. And there's someone talk. It was like another voice. It obviously, I, well, it was me, but like I felt independent of my mind, yeah, my, my controllable mind. And it would just feed me these thoughts like, oh, no one loves you and stuff like that. And, mm. and just like, why does everyone treat you wrong or those things? I I probably fought that that voice for maybe a couple of years. But yeah, I, I feel for people who have a voice that they can't control and is constantly feeding them negativity. I don't know if there's voices that feed people other things, but... Well, totally. I mean, there's done. there's been like a ton of research done, especially in kids. Um... And like kids experience it, but don't want to talk about it because they think that it means that they're crazy. Yeah. So they think like yeah. if that voice is in, I had a voice in my head too. Like I would wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and it would feel like this voice was like screaming at me. I didn't really know what it was saying, but it was just like yelling and kids and stuff don't talk about it because like you said, it feels independent of themselves and feel crazy. Also OCD. A lot of people who are, who have OCD, um, actually like a lot of that is having the voice in their head telling them things. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. There's like a ton of layers to OCD that people don't know about. So like they, they have their compulsions because there's obsessive thoughts in their head that are really dark and really scary. And so then they feel like they have to do something five times. Like this voice says, like, if you don't do this thing five times in a row, or if you don't shut off the light every time, you know, it's like obsessive stuff because they're compulsion and then they're compulsing because these thoughts are obsessive and telling them that their whole family is going to die if certain things don't happen. Well, it understands then of how dedicated they are to, let's say the compulsion or the things that they do, because if you have a, voice independent voice in your head saying stuff to you that's scary yeah i don't know like when the voice left or like why it did but yeah it's probably just because i don't know i feel for people who have voices though in their head that was not fun time did you ever feel like insecure insecure about what Anything. I mean, you said the voices sometimes said like no one loves you or any. Did you feel like you weren't enough in some regard or did you feel like you were not cool or not loved? Well, yeah, I think that uh, I didn't always fit in. So that was tough, too. I never was the popular, cool person going growing up. Uh, and I never felt like I was attractive until later in life either. So that was tough too. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I thought that I always wanted more in those departments. Probably you wanted to be more popular or like well-liked. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I think everyone kind of wants that, right? And if you feel like sort of a wallflower, it, it can really make you feel insecure and, and impact your mental health. Yeah, but I think more of the voice stuff was when I was growing up, and now it's just me competing with my brothers and going to different like homeschool events and then not understanding my emotion or rage. I think it was part of my development. For sure. Yeah. And did you feel like you could identify like anger and this is how you deal with anger because i feel like that's something that none of us are really educated on no absolutely not i was i don't think i my dad did a great job with us and like he probably was part of the reason why i was able to phase out of right the voice and everything but now i for a while there's a period where like there's a lot of things that happen when your, your parents don't see either right? right so i i did not understand the frustration i i I think a lot of times like I didn't understand that it was a wavering feeling or like emotions come in waves sometimes and like understanding that it would pass instead of like just feeling it in the moment and just like feeding it and keep groveling groveling and whatever just making it even worse and worse because it was just the end of the world in that moment mm, mm. so I think part of growing up is understanding that those feelings and emotions wave and at that point I didn't it was just the end of the world when I was mad or angry right. and frustrated are you enjoying this episode so far if so please take the time to rate and leave a written review on apple Podcasts. you also can press the follow button on spotify and ask for notifications every time a new episode comes out this is the best way for us to grow and reach as many people as possible as we start to talk more vulnerably about mental health and things that are relatable to all of us also, you can take the time to share this episode with a friend via text message or on social media to also grow the awareness and make sure that people understand that they're not alone. Thank you so much for listening to It's Hard. Let's get back to the episode. Because I feel like when you're a kid in general, like every time moves so much slower. Like you are sitting there in like a day, a bad day yeah. feels like a million years. Yeah. Wow. There's still sometimes where that that feels like the case and like now but not like to that severity like you'll have days where like just things don't go right and you still wall you wallow a little bit more than you should in the frustration and, right. and the emotion but yeah that's such a valuable lesson is adolescence is to just understand those go but i don't know and just that kids, you know, I mean, it's so, like you said, I think it was a part of your development. I think same with me. Like I used to have to punch a pillow to like get my anger out. My mom would have me punch a pillow. Yeah. You brought that up recently. Yeah. And I think that it's a lot of that is just because when you're a kid, it's just, it all is so pent up and you express it more freely because you're a kid and you don't know, or you're not kind of succumbed to society telling us that we have to suppress our emotions until we're in private or we're in our own home and we have to deal with it on our own. Like kids just have to rely on their parents or rely on other people or try to figure it out. And that might not look as, you know, flu fluid as it doesn't as an adult. And I feel like that's a lot of like kids parents i mean we were camping and we we heard this parent like swearing at our kid and stuff like i feel like parents forget that when they were their age they didn't know how to deal with that stuff either wow yeah so hard to to look at that obviously that situation was just completely wrong but like you sit there and you're you're pissed off at the parent 
obviously we're not parents, so we don't fully know because we haven't gone through those shoes. But it's just like, what has happened? God knew this point where you're doing this. Mm-hmm. And please, God, may this never happen to me or a man ever treat an offspring of us like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you already done? I don't think so. Do we have any questions? <laughs> yes, I have more questions. Just calm down over there, mister. I don't like being the center of attention. I know you don't. I wonder why that is. I don't know. I feel uncomfortable. Have you always felt uncomfortable being the center of attention? Uh, this is a great question. I just have a million things. No, not when I don't have to talk. If I'm doing something sporting where I can do something actions or something else, sure, I don't care. But when I have to talk, yes, because I get nervous sometimes when I have to talk because it's sometimes hard for me to formulate my thoughts to say something out loud Hmm. or... I want to review what I'm saying before I say it because I want to make sure what I'm saying will make sense to the other individuals and won't spark controversy or, or hurt anyone's feelings. Hmm. Did you have instances when you were younger where you would speak and people wouldn't understand you or they'd take it the wrong way or... I didn't talk a lot. Because I have this fear of talking and people not tuning into it or losing attention to me. Mm. And I talk too much and then I don't captivate someone's attention or it's just meaningful or it's not meaningful to them. Mm. Yeah. It's part of it. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Do you think like going from being homeschooled to public school had any impact on like your confidence or things like that, where you are afraid people aren't going to listen. Like I just am putting together pieces of like thinking about being a middle schooler coming from being homeschooled and just our society and how it's like, Oh, you're homeschooled. Like people think that that's just for like nerds and like, when you're talking in a negative form, I mean, I think nerds are cool, but like they think that weird people are homeschooled pretty much is the kind of narrative that was presented. Sure. I think that the learning curve was a lot higher, but I have a dad who's really good at talking and I was able to observe a lot from other people, but I think I also, am just naturally one of those, like not everyone can speak really well and no. can captivate people. Right. Let's just say there's a small percentage of people that are just wonderful speakers that kind of like take over social settings and stuff. And the most most people aren't great at speaking. They're, they don't speak a lot. They're kind of there for the experience and they're there mm-hmm. for the small talk. They're there to take things in, even visually, just enjoy things, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we're more, lean more towards maybe those extroverts or the social people, right? So I don't know if it's necessarily good to, like, to put the homeschool stuff on it. I wouldn't do redo that at all, but it definitely affected my learning curve. I just think I'm like hypersensitive a little bit to that. Uh, I also have two really cool brothers, right? Mm-hmm. That are awesome. 
and they were <clears throat> excuse me, I had a cough. <coughs> uh, <laughs> they were way way more popular than me, mm. and I knew that right. And I'm, I grew up with them my whole life, so so I just knew. I think I formulated this this thought in my brain that like people are gonna listen to you like a little bit, right? You're gonna get you're gonna be able to have some people's attention like sometimes, but just so don't ruin it. Don't like over talk or mm. or don't like share thoughts that are just pointless, right? Just talk when you have something really good or talk in the right moments, and then just keep people's attention and keep people's respect. Yeah. And I wasn't saying that like homeschooling put you back. I'm saying that maybe how kids treated you when you went to public school may have been influential in the beliefs you had about yourself. Like I I think that kids are cruel and I'm imagining that for you and your brothers making that transition wasn't necessarily easy on, on just like the social side of things. No, it was not easy, but the 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 asteroid like the way I look at it is like I was strong enough to overcome it, so it was good, right? I, I that's just the way, and that's not a healthy like way to frame things. And sometimes that's terrible, and it can be more crippling and more destructive than than constructive. But for that situation, I had a couple of really good people. Parker Jesme was one of them. He was someone who will appreciate everyone. He always wears a smile. And he doesn't care what other people think. And I always had him. I had Kendall Harkness, who <laughs> that's hilarious. And he always appreciated me. He always smiled when he saw me. Like we always liked, I was like spending time with him. Uh, so I was lucky enough to have enough people that got me through that. But yeah, it was pretty tough in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was kind of interesting because in high school, I floated from a lot of different groups. Parker and I, and Kendall, we really didn't have like a consistent group of friends that we ride or die with. Uh, and I was kind of, I'm kind of like a solo person. I'm, I never really had like a ton of people. So like, like I have a couple of close people in certain geographical areas, and uh, that also affects it a little bit too because like I like understand that people are gonna come and go, and I'm still love them all all the time. I still think about them constantly. It's so funny like what random people like for like even small stint in my life, like like will come to mind during a single day and I'll be like, Oh, that person was awesome. And I have a couple of memories of them. And then I'll be like, I wonder what they're doing now. I hope they're doing really well. Sometimes I'll shoot them a text or sometimes I'll call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, a lot of times I wish I could plan a trip coming up soon to do that. Uh, maybe eventually they can, I'll be able to be more spontaneous like that. But, uh, no, going back to the, like the thing was like we flo- floated around a lot in high school, so maybe I've had this archetype for a long time, right? Because mm. we constantly had different groups for homecoming, constantly had different groups for going to do things. So it was like usually Parker and Kendall, strong, but then we like hang out with different people for different couple months, and then we'd hang out with different people, and we were always nice to people, and there wasn't any crazy falling outs, but it was just how it was. Huh. Interesting. That is interesting. It's almost like. I mean, we, we talked about this and we, we always talk about it with your brothers too, of like, you know, you just have your people, right? And a lot of that, like for you guys, what's so cool about your family is that it is family, like families first always. And, and that's so awesome. And like your brother talks about just that first ring, that circle that's like so close. And 
it feels like, you know, friends are awesome and they're additive, but like family is number one, you know, like your brothers are your be all end all. And then friends, you know, are additive and it's okay if they come and go. Whereas sometimes I'm really close to my family, but you know, when it comes to friends, like I've have friends that I've had for many years and they, I could never let them go. You know, like there's just the, I think of, you know, five girlfriends I have that I just could not live my life without. Yeah. You're serious about that too. Mm-hmm. So I think fact. it's interesting that like you're built a little bit different where it's like you have kind of, you have those, those friendships in your brothers. And so you don't feel necessarily this need, correct me if I'm wrong, to like find that in friends elsewhere. No. I mean, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. It's how my brain works. It's like, I don't know how it's, it's, I don't know if that's healthy or not. Right. But I don't think that there's like healthy and unhealthy. I think it's just how people are and, and how they're wired and what makes you happy. I mean, if that's what makes you happy, then that's what, like, that's all that matters, you know? Yeah. I think that one thing that we do that's really helped my mental health is let's say we have a disagreement or obviously there's bad blood in the air, right? And we know you got bad blood. <laughs> nice. You're welcome. You sh- everyone, you should have seen her dancing today. It was <laughs> phenomenal. We were in the kitchen. We just got back from camping and we were just vibing with no, no really worry, no worry in the air. And she was moving her body really funny. <laughs> <laughs> There's a combination of like chicken wings that were going in there. <laughs> there was no flow to it at all. It was kind of sporadic. Still attractive. But it was sporadic. It was hilarious. Oh uh, my gosh. Okay. Getting back to just like if there's anything bad in the air, like we have to usually confront it. We can take some time not to do it. But it has to be addressed and it has to be talked through. Uh, and it's not just like one voice is heard. It's both voices are heard. And usually there's both, both of us take ownership in, in what happened, which mm-hmm. is great. Uh, and then we also then talk about what we could do better in the future. And that's been super good for my mental health because I don't think that's always been there. Obviously, I think being in a partnership is great. Yeah. It's just, it's so good to have to think about somebody else and have to compromise. Yeah. Because if you're stuck, if you're, if you're not willing to compromise with your, your mental health or your brain or like try something new or think it differently or try to put yourself in someone else's shoes while like understanding, like having your own story too. Like there's just so many things that we've talked about in the last couple of years that I've been able to rescue me from something that's going downhill. Mm. I am so excited to share with you about an event that I am participating in. I'm participating in the NAMI walk this year. If you are unsure what NAMI is, it is so important. It's the National Alliance for Mental Illness, and they put on walks across the country every single year to raise awareness and money for mental health. And so I um, 
I'm so excited to participate in the Utah one. It's May 21st. If you're local to Utah, I would love for you to join my team. I'm a team captain. You can sign up using the link in the bio below and you can just join team. It's hard and I will be getting t-shirts for everyone who joins my team. So um, I'm really excited. So please do that if you're local to the Utah area. I also will be hosting a style social at Evereve City Creek Mall. If you're interested in that, that's going to be on Sunday, April 24th from 2 to 4 p.m. And you can RSVP um, just DMing me on Instagram if you come across this. I would love to see all there. 15% of proceeds at the Style Social Forever will go towards the NAMI Walk team for our team in Utah. If you're not local to Utah, I really encourage you to still join a team um, and participate in a NAMI Walk. It's such a great way to, again, end the stigma, work towards raising awareness for mental health. Um, and if you can't make it to the walk, but you want to donate to my team, the link is in the bio below to see my team page and you can donate towards my goal of $1,000 before May 21st. So let's get walking and raising awareness for mental health. I think that's really cool. I've always said it's like a mirror, like to be able to have a reason to look in the mirror and be like, I'm being ridiculous right now, or I need to check myself or, you know, like this is impacting somebody else. I mean, we've had the same conversation like, yeah, sometimes it feels like it would be easier to just be single because it probably (laughs) is sometimes and you're so frustrated and you're so annoyed and all these things. It's just like, yeah, I don't want to face all this. I don't want to deal with all this. But in the end of the day, it's the best thing you can do because it just creates more happiness, you know, through the muck and the mud. Yeah. And like we talked about, we try to practice less negativity less complaining, mm-hmm. less different things. So obviously there's going to be conflict and controversy. Obviously, so you're going to be frustrated with somebody. But if you can rein or hone in on what's going on and not be negative about it, be able to be positive, talk it out, take ownership. Yeah, those are a lot of things that have helped, that we've practiced, I've practiced, that have kept me in a good state of mind. Yeah. Um, had you like ever experienced or known if you'd experienced like anxiety or depression or anything? Yeah. Definitely have both. When did that like first show up for you? Oh, I think that would, that's always been there. Just a child. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've always been anxious about certain things, golf tournaments, people like me, people don't like me. A lot of times when I was younger, it was like interactions, uh, trouble with the opposite sex when I was younger. So He had a trouble with girls. <laughs> then, and I would definitely overthink like things I said or actions I said. Mm. I was thinking about it before too. Like some stuff I was doing in seventh grade was just so stupid. Uh, like I would sit in this one chair <laughs> like we had seating arrangements and I would go talk to this one person and sit in this one chair just so then the one person would have to like, like when the bell rang or something, would have to come over and like interact with me before I, so I go, cause I was in her chair and it's just like, I would overthink those, just those little things I did <laughs> and I would just like be so anxious about them, but not, I don't know. Yeah. There was definitely spells of anxiety and depression where also like, like I didn't want to leave the room or I was just like really mm-hmm. down and. Uh, 
I was lucky to have great parents that were there for me. Yeah. That were calm, kind, and listened to everything. And they, they knew what would cheer me up and they would have a talk. Right. So I it never like escalated to something that was crazy. Uh, I was good at mostly everything I did too. So it never, like when it came to school or it came to like sports or it came to other things, like I never like, I was just lucky because I was never taking last or I was never failing. Mm. And I think a lot of times if maybe you're not inherently gifted in some of those different areas and like you are taking last or you're taking, you're failing at something you're doing, that's when it gets really bad. Mm. Right. So that's when I think sometimes people need to reevaluate what they're doing and make a change. Yeah. But I never had to get to that point. When you were in college though, and you had gone from like being a winning golfer to like not so much of a winning golfer yeah never mind i did have troubles uh it's like hmm, i don't know about this sometimes i forget about that yeah no i was anxious and depressed i had a panic attack driving back from iowa in the car my parents had to get me and um albert lee and then uh i drank too much alcohol when i was in iowa led to bad decisions and in south dakota i drank too much alcohol at points in my life too and a lot of that was because I felt stuck. Uh, I didn't think I was incredibly valuable because I wasn't good at golf. I was never cr- cracking the top lineups. And it was just really tough. And I don't think it was meant to be for golf. But I never was able to give that up. And thus, I found distractions. And I also punished myself more because of those things. And that was tough. And do you think that a lot of your identity and and even like your brothers too was around golf in high school. And like you had this expectation on your shoulders of like being the best or being good. And then that kind of came crashing. Uh, no, I never felt that I had expectations to be good. I think that's something that's interesting. That everyone thinks so. I never felt an expectations from my parents or, uh, or anything to, to be the best. But at one point I was the best. Like say, like in the sport when I was younger, so I knew what it felt to be really good, uh, and then when I wasn't really good, it sucked. Mm-hmm. So it was like self expectations, right? Oh, Pers- for sure. Personal expectations that sucked, and then also when you're not good and you're playing on a team, you let other people down. Mm. So it's like it's like I didn't want to let my coach down. I didn't want to let my team members down. I didn't want to let my family down because I wasn't doing well. And like if I suck, then like they're worried about me, right? Hmm. So that point of it, but I never was like, you need to be the next Tiger Woods. So, well, that's good. Cause I feel like if I was in the position that you and your brothers were in, where you were so well known in the golf world, like it would feel like this pressure to be good. Kind of like what we've talked about before, like with going pro, like if then you go and play in a, you know, casual event, it's like everyone expects you to be so freaking good and, it's just golf. Golf is messy and it's, you know, weird and janky and like it can be really good one day and really bad the next day. But there's like expectation from others, which is probably, you know, just internal stuff of like worrying about that. But like just feeling as though you have to be good because you presented yourself as such. No, I think that's one thing of like being like really good at one point in your life or really good at something. Like, if you brag or you f- say you're really good at it, like, the really good people don't really care if you do bad. Like, if you if you have a bad day or something like that, you really don't care if you let people down or you weren't good that one day. 
I've never been one person to be like, this is my worst I've ever played golf. Like, what the, what the fuck am I doing? Mm. Like, like you, pl- I've played so many rounds of golf with people that are not that great or they are good. And like, they're having a really terrible day. And all they can tell you is like, this is the worst I've ever played. Like, what is going on? It's like the end of the world. Never once. Okay. I can't say once. Cause that's, uh, whatever the word is called an absolute, <coughs> but I will not leave a round that I played really, really bad and say, this is my worst round ever. Like what's going on and stuff. Well, maybe it's, it's not how I feel. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's just one day and everything's so variable. Like you can't, right. be, you can't be amazing all the time. And just golf in general is so variable because it's like, Oh, you played at a totally different course. Like if you were playing like on this, it's the only sport where you're like not doing the same thing all the time. Right. Like if you're yeah, playing basketball point. and you're like, yeah, that was my worst game ever. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. Like scientifically that checks out. Whereas like golf, like scientifically it, it doesn't check out because you're playing a totally different course. The weather conditions are totally different and everything, like everything is a variable. There's no constant other than you kind of, but even that is kind of janky. Yeah. It's, golf is wild like that. Oh, look at the time. I know. We got to wrap it up. Uh, for my mental health. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. I want to ask you one more question. Yeah, do it. I think in general, especially because I talk to a lot of women and, and this, I think my community is majority women, which I've tried to combat, but it's just not working anymore. Um, try to get more men in here, but I think it's been a challenge. But... What has it been like as a man to deal with mental health or to talk about mental health or even, you know, in the last couple of years, like me talking about it and what has that exposure looked like? Well, you've been a good influence. I've had a lot more. It's been easier to have conversations that are less surface level, mm. more important about how people are feeling or how they're handling certain scenarios and if they're actually doing all right, you know? Yeah. Like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Are you actually doing good? been good at doing having those deeper conversations giving time to like you don't always give time to people to like to to be able to share their feelings and stuff right like time is so valuable but a lot of times if someone's open to talking about it you people don't still don't give them the time of day that's so sad Mm. uh so if i'm gonna ask that question i gotta make sure that like i'm gonna be able to give that person the time of day and also then be able to have some some interactions after that too because like it's hard like you owe that person to to look into them uh but yeah it's still tough with men uh i think things are changing a little bit but i don't know it's just not as like second nature to just talk about your feelings and i think we i don't know how the recipes are and i don't know if the statement's correct correct at all but i think because biologically we just have less feelings or maybe feelings are different with us in our brain right Mm. that because we're not having such uh intense emotions maybe sometimes maybe you don't really get to be able to get to a point where like you actually want to address them i don't Mm. know it's an interesting thought it's an interesting thought also there's just a stereotype that we have to be stronger which is false so it's like it's a it's a question of like is that stereotype just so ingrained in you 
that you think you don't have those emotions? Like, have has it been suppressed for so long that the, it just feels like those emotions or the lack thereof is just like a state of mind that just exists? Or is it true that like those emotions just don't exist at such a high rate? Because I think that's a very universal like statement to make when it's really probably not true. Because I think there's a lot of men who do feel deeply and, and yeah. like every man is different in yeah. the, and every person. Like there's women who don't feel deeply as well. Yeah. You know, so I think it really depends. It's not necessarily a man versus woman thing. I wonder if it's just like a societal, whether you're a man or a woman, just this like sense of, oh, this feeling has been suppressed for so long that it's just become sort of a state of mind, if you will. That's a great question. I'd love to come back on the show and think more and talk with you more about that. Well, maybe this is part one and next time is part two. Wow. That's a great idea. I love, love to, it. I'd love to be able to talk to you again. We have to get to our monthly mental health check-in. I'm excited for this week. Yeah. So for any of you who are interested in these, the, the framework of them has changed. So they used to be open to the public and available on Eventbrite. Now um, it is private, so any listeners or community members of It's Hard can participate, but we only allow eight people at max per month. So please message me, email me if you're interested in joining next month. It will be the second weekend of June next month, so I believe that's June 12th on a Sunday night. Um, so please message me as soon as possible to let me know if you're interested. I'm going to open it up to the people tonight for first dibs and then we'll go from there. So that's kind of changing to make it a little more intimate and private so that everyone feels comfortable. Two shout outs. You making it through a year of sobriety. Also Jake Hardeen texted me and he listened to your podcast and it's always fun for people if they listen to your podcast and just shoot you a text because sometimes you don't know people listening, but yeah, he was really nice of them. Thanks for Aww. having me on the show today. Paige. Love you. Love you. Bye.